Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington, and joining me as always is Jeff East. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everyone listening or watching. <laughs> well, you know, Jeff, uh, I know that you are super excited for this uh, episode today. I know you always are, but this one maybe has an especial alert because, you know, I'm going to be playing uh, a video for the audience um, that you will find very powerful. How about that? Well, it's two things. It's it's music. Right. Three things. Mm -hmm. It's a group I like. And, yep. and since we're both bass players, it's a bass player. We are going, boy, I wish I could do that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing uh, for our audience. Uh, you and I, Jeff, had talked about this previously uh, offline about um, the power of what happens when the lights are not on and the audience isn't around an audience is a relative thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. Your family could be an audience. Um, your coworkers could be an audience. Um, or in this case, what you'll see here in a minute, it could be you're someone that plays live music for a living and you have thousands of people who are your audience. And this happens every other night across the country, maybe the world. Wanted to kind of delve in today to talk about what kind of magic happens during that time of preparation when no one's around mm. and and i get it there's sometimes that's a really lonely period because you're in the lab you're in the studio you're in the you know the field whatever it may be and you're putting in all this work and all this attention and effort and nobody really even knows that it's happening and then when you finish that work, that thing, that composition, whatever it may be, and it's released, um, people think that's the magic, right? It's it's <laughs> here. And in some cases, it is, because if you're in the audience, this is the first time you got to experience it. But I've always been one of those people that have been fascinated about, man, what about when it was your 15th attempt? at getting it right what about when you know you were cl this close to saying i i think i'm gonna just stop you know what i mean yeah i i saw a meme the other day where it's somebody was talking to a musician it goes are you do you just have a natural talent for this and they ask and the, the guy goes no it's practice do you have this no, it's practice. Yeah. Just it kept going until all the musician kept saying is it was practice. Yeah. 
Well, and here's what's interesting about that. And depending on the generation, um, some generations had this more than others. We oftentimes, I think, um, companies like Google and specifically to their search engine, and there are other elements out there, have made the idea that instantaneous is the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the startup community, because especially in the tech world, not so much right now, but historically, there's all this press about these companies that just took off like a rocket and, you know, they became unicorns, you know, the billion dollar company with funding and soon to do an IPO. And we connect that to every startup. And I, I've met entrepreneurs who were laser, laser focused on that's what I need to be. I want to be the next, right? Um, sometimes not realizing that it's going to take a long time. And most things of real value do take a long time mm-hmm. to develop and to grow. And I, I kind of, I have this empathy for those folks because they were brought up in a culture that said, no, 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 Eric, all you have to do is this and this and this, and then you'll have all dreams come true. You know, it's, I think the idea that, or the the fact that we don't remember is these startup entrepreneurs, it's usually not their first one that's successful. Typically, exactly. The fourth or fifth. And I think if they're going to be successful, they're almost looking like those first failures are practice. Yeah. Well, in that spirit, I'm going to show you this clip and um, I think you're really going to appreciate it. And then we can talk a little bit about what kind of meaning might be behind um, the clip as well as referencing to what, you know, we're talking about. All right, Jeff. So I'm going to stop it there. Even I want to hear the whole song. Yeah, I was feeling the same way. Um, I didn't do a great job of setting that up for the audience, but ultimately, if you looked at the very beginning of the clip, this was a sound check that was done, and I believe around 2012, before uh, one of their performances in Dallas, Texas. And um, one of the things that really leaped out to me. Um, was how they treated that song. And even if you don't aren't familiar with that song, Limelight, um, just the way that they were preparing. Uh, this is not something I would expect that everyone in the audience would have picked up. But what I did was, is that there were certain times in his singing where he, you could tell he was holding back, right? Mm-hmm. And if you do a little bit of, research or maybe if you're a singer you know this um he was saving his voice right because the recognition was they're on tour multiple multiple dates all of the rest but they also had to do the sound check for the obvious reasons of being in that arena make sure everything is as it should be uh and be prepared for when the audience would arrive later that night for example but yeah, what I noticed was there were times he totally stopped singing, mm. which could be 
maybe he didn't. Getty Lee is the bass player. If you're not familiar with Rush, yeah. uh, you know that I don't know why, but I'm thinking, well, maybe he this bass part. Maybe he wants to work on it a little bit differently, and he needs to pay attention to something that all the, you know that he knows by heart. You know, he wrote it. Uh, so, or maybe he's stopping singing. So there's there's some other people that are actually involved. The sound technicians. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, maybe exactly. I need to let the sound technician practice on our instruments right now. So right. they're, they're, they're doing everything for a purpose. Do you but think, there's more to the purpose. I think we'll get to it in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you think that, I mean, you mentioned the sound people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine, because obviously at that point in time with Rush, they had been together for many, many, many years. Probably so, that was about their R30 tour, which is 30 years. Okay. So regardless of whether or not the style of music is your taste, your flavor, uh, there's one thing I have found is that when you get a group of musicians that have been together for a long time, they're typically really, really tight. They really, I mean, they really play like a unit. And I was just thinking, I would imagine that also has to do with the sound folks as well. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Not that there's some sound folk that probably are just phenomenal at first time around, but more than likely, I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, is that having somebody who had been with them on multiple tours, multiple dates, those kind of you know, maybe that sound person is going, oh, wait a minute, he's emphasizing some things on his bass. Good, good, keep going, keep going, because this is going to help me as I turn this particular knob a little to the little up, a little down, right? Well, yeah, another purpose that, that the sound check for something like that is every stadium is different. Every, every place you play is different. Yeah. So this practice is allowing them to sound the way they need to sound in that 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 place so that's just another purpose of, of what they're doing yeah so hopefully jeff uh our audience is getting a sense about how this relates to life that is not on stage in front of thousands of people but just in what we do um again that could be your family it could be your work it could be in volunteering what have you the importance of the preparation and the importance of understanding. And this is my opinion, Jeff, the real magic happens when nobody's around, when there are no applause, no, no accolades, no post on social media celebrating or congratulating. And I, I believe the sound check is a, is a good metaphor for that idea. Um, and that takes me to when we were talking about the startup world, uh, or in general, the idea of something happening pretty quickly. Right. And I, I remember watching a, a video podcast with, uh, Andrew Huberman, and he, he mentioned in this particular podcast that one of the dangers of startup entrepreneurs is that if they get fixated on this really big goal, I want to be that unicorn, as I mentioned earlier, the billion dollar company. 
if they're not careful, they can make that their aim and focus and they'll rob themselves of the dopamine that our brain provides for motivation to keep going. Mm -hmm. His take on it was kind of milestone the thing. You know, if you're starting from ground zero, make sure that you celebrate after year one and all the accomplishments that happened, or he didn't use that specifically, but it's this idea that as you're going toward that giant goal, be sure to celebrate and and be focused on getting those small milestones because dopamine has that power to keep you going. It, it, I mean, it's a motivation chemical in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. But if Jeff, if you don't have that, you're 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 going to burn out, and that was his point: is that typically mm -hmm. that that is a that is not the only outcome, but oftentimes there's a burnout because you 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 lose motivation, you don't know how to navigate the disappointments of what you thought was going to work that didn't work, what you were anticipating happened that didn't happen, and and that kind of thing. And I think, I know for me, if I can find those specific and intentional moments where I go, I'm going to focus in on what is happening today, right? Um, focusing in on, for example, this podcast. This is our second episode that we've recorded today. It is looking forward to that. Thinking about, okay, Jeff, this is how I want to present it. Uh, you can come in here. I want your observations on that. And, and celebrating as we got it lifted off because, and I think I may be reading your mind here. I, I, I underline think. Okay. Before we started this recording <laughs> for this episode, we were going through some technical difficulties in being able to display an audio and we were getting close. I know you heard it from me where I was about ready to say, Jeff, I'll just, I'll just, describe it by verbal and we'll pass on using that video or whatever. And then you, you, you kept saying something to the effect of, I know it's really simple. I know it's something really, it's just checking a box. I believe you went on Google uh, and just did a search. This is a time where instantaneous is a good thing, <laughs> but um, it's, that's, that's the part that makes for the magic. That's that's okay. how did we feel when we found out what box to check? Well, yeah, I mean, I number one, there's two things. There was a great deal of satisfaction for me because I really wanted to be able to show that video. Mm -hmm. It adds so much to the context of what we're talking about. And then the other part was I learned something. I mean, and it's it's something that I'll be able to use in other situations going forward. So there's a there's a feeling of that satisfaction. And well, Jeff, Jeff, I can't say that, oh, Jeff, I just felt five milliliters of dopamine going through my brain. <laughs> I certainly felt that motivation. Well, I, I'm going to share our secret with with our, our listeners. <laughs> when you go to share screen and you want to use a video in the bottom left corner, there's a little box that says says share sound. And if you're one of those people out there that goes, duh, uh, just, you know, bear with us, yeah, bear with us. Uh, we're not that. Um, and sometimes even a blind, blind squirrel can find corn. Um, so from that perspective, I guess I'm unwrapping it a bit uh, to to say maybe we're going to be more effective in our relationships and our work 
and our volunteering, if we can manage to not only fixate ourselves on what am I going to get at the end of the deal? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think the danger in that too, Jeff, and this is one that I've lasered in on for years, when you have such a focus on what's way out there, there's a real strong chance that you're going to miss what's happening right in front of your nose. Nothing wrong with wanting something way out there, but wow, how tragic would it be if you miss what's happening in between? And Jeff, there's certainly science around this idea that once we hit the goal, that dopamine level goes down. Yes, you did it. You, you. Uh, we both know a good bit about the band Rush. Okay, I'm going to use them as an example. Yep. We we understand how they got along. We understand what motivated them, and so you know they've played that song thousands of times. All right. But knowing how those guys were with each other, they were getting that dopamine, I think, while they were practicing. Yeah. Because they're, they're doing it with their friends. They're doing what they like. And I think that's an important thing to think about, too. Yeah. And that brings me, Jeff, to um, the interview that um, I saw with uh, David Lee Roth of Van Halen. And I know today we're we're talking about so much in the rock world, but um, it it just was really powerful. And it was on a Joe Rogan episode. And um, Rogan asked him the question that I'm sure David Lee Roth or the members of Rush would have heard maybe thousands of times too. So what was your favorite concert? When was, what performance do you remember the most? And, you know, what was the greatest blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget him saying, you know, actually, it's typically when we were rehearsing. <laughs> and, he, and he went on to say, and, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, that, you know, when, when you're on stage and there's an audience, you got all the tension, you know, somebody's got a cold, um, somebody's angry about some other situation. I mean, and it, but when we're rehearsing, sometimes we would really nail it and it was just the four of us. I, I want to share a story. Yeah. Oh, it's been 10 or 15 years ago, but the band Pearl Jam uh, came out with a, it was an old 50s teeny bop song called Last Kiss. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those old, you know, in the 50s, they had these car, uh, the guy and the girl were out in the car. And he got in a crash and somebody died. And it's all about that. Right. And they'd heard it someplace. And so they started using that song for their sound check. Hmm. And this is what I've, what I've heard. So I might not be hundred percent right with this. The sound engineers go, didn't tell them they recorded one of those times when they were doing the sound check. Because they thought this is really cool. We this can be a single or whatever. And then so they decided it. And then they tried to do it in studio and they hated it. What we hear when you if you ever hear that on the radio is the sound check, because that's when they nailed it. Yeah. 
Well, and there's there's obviously many examples in the music world of those situations and not to go to take it too far. Um, I, I remember seeing an interview with um, Nathan East, who's a fabulous bass player, uh, mostly most in the current frame plays with uh, Eric Clapton. Unfortunately, and- no, no. No, relation. no relation, no relation. Uh, but hey, if if somehow it was relation, having him rub off on you as a bass player would be a really good thing. Yeah. Um, so he was he was interviewing and they they got to talking about, you know, when these iconic riffs or fills came to be. And they were talking about uh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most recognizable memorable drum fills in that song right right yeah every dad can put airplay that yeah exactly right (laughs) and what he said is that he had talked to phil collins at some point and phil collins said you know that just happened to be the fill that i decided to use and and it was being recorded and he said i i don't know if I would have done that if we had done a second take. But that moment caught, boom. But you know what, Jeff, and I know you know this, Phil Collins is an outstanding drummer, Nathan East, Eric Clapton, Rush, Pearl Jam, talented musicians. But I think there's something to be said about this idea of taking our craft, the craft of life. Mm-hmm as intentional, right? Um, to, to recognize that, you know, maybe if I go to that little bookstore in this far off the beaten path neighborhood and buy my spouse, my partner, my friend, a card that just says I'm thinking of them, that magic is happening. It just got ignited because the feeling and the drive and the motivation to get it, to sign it, to put it in the envelope. And then absolutely the joy when someone is reading the card. That's just one thing, Jeff. Mm -hmm. We can go down a list of all kinds of intentional magic that we can create prior to the, ah, right? And that just really leaped out to me when I saw that Rush video, because I'm thinking, man, can you imagine you're in this arena that sits 20,000 people and you and your, and I, my memory serves right, they all were friends, the three of them. Mm -hmm. So this dynamic of the creative process, and you might be out there in the audience saying, hey, look, I'm an accountant. I'm a numbers person. I, you know, well, we're talking about intentionality and just doing some things. I'm not saying everybody's got to be a guitarist, bass player, artist, painter. It's not for the special few. It's just applying some of those concepts to your own work. Again, whether that work is in your family, in your workplace, and all these different areas in which we live. And I think that goes a long way for developing a fulfillment in us that maybe if we're not careful and I'm trust me, Jeff, I am one of those that have been guilty of flying way over 
my current state to try to get to this thing that I wanted so desperate. And, and, and if we're honest, Jeff, let me be careful here. I'm going to be honest with you. Most of those things that I wanted so badly when I got them, I found that they left me kind of, is this it? Is this all? And what were the things you missed? Exactly. Now, I'm, I live to tell, Jeff, I don't do that anymore. I've, I've built a new neural pathway. I stop when the flowers are blooming. I take a break and I pray. I take purposeful walks. I, I want everything that I'm doing today to have meaning. And yes, there's going to be some things I'm going to be working on today, Jeff, just like you, that are not your favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Since we have to do them, why don't we find something in them that can produce this effect that we've been talking about? So with that, Jeff, I think we've come to the end of this episode. You know, I want to bring up one more thing that All right. I was thinking about. If you go back to the video... Mm-hmm. And you look at the stage mm-hmm. from their point of view. Ah, you know, if you're in, if you're out in the audience, it looks fantastic. Everything is set up, you know, it's all, but you get back behind the stage and there's cables running that they got gaffer tape, you know, and you see the messiness that sometimes is in that practice. Yeah that it's it's what they're doing back there makes what we see out here something really good to see yeah the the preparation the work that goes into what the audience sees or you know yeah and you know what that's that's uh that's a great observation jeff and in in as much as uh i i i'd like to be really clear about I know that if you're in the audience, um, the expectation is that you have a deep desire to know about all those cables and the messiness and the the long hours and the toil and sweat and all the rest. Because the benefit of being in the audience is is that you get to experience the magic that was created. Mm -hmm. However, at some point, most all of us are going to be on the other side, we're not going to be the audience. We're going to be the ones that are producing a certain project outcome at work. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the one to give the talk. We're going to be the one who um, is going to be on the sidelines cheering on, um, or better said, coaching mm-hmm. that team. It's just the, the sho- you know, you can be the shoulder to cry on, whatever it is. Yeah. When you, when, when, you know, I know uh, Shakespeare, right? All the world's a stage and we're merely players. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah, we are the audience, but sometimes we are the players. And I think it's a kind of a call to when you encounter the messiness that inevitably comes in the creative process or building process, um, find those purposeful times in that process. Uh, to get the satisfaction, because again, if you overlook that, uh, you're, you're going to miss, you're going to miss some important stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks for course correcting me there before I ended the show. All right. So everyone, we thank you for tuning in. We've enjoyed it as always. And we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Bye-bye.